right, how's everybody doing today? Huh, you guys doing good? Great to see you, great to see everybody. Hey, come on, welcome in all of our Celebration Church locations, those watching online, as well as those that are participating in the God First Life series, those in the God First Life Network. Come on, let's put our hands together. We are so glad that you're with us last weekend we talked about blessing and order and where order is restored, God's blessing is released. And uh, this weekend, we're going to continue in the series. This is the second message of the God First Life series. And uh, I want to talk to you about your position in Christ as well as your function in Christ, position and function and how those things are connected. And I have entitled this message, Adopted into God's Family adopted into God's family. How many of you are thankful that we have a heavenly father and he has adopted us into his family? He's placed us into his family and we have, we have a place in his family and we also have a role in his family. We have a position and we have a function. God's given us access to all of his goodness and with that access, he wants us to have impact. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, for these next 30 minutes or so, God, we ask for an open heaven. God, help us to understand the beauty and power of your family. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. You guys can go to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I'm gonna get there in just a couple of minutes, but go to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, you know who the book of Hebrews was written to, right? The Hebrews. And so we're going to take a look at that in just a second. Hebrews chapter 10, I'll begin reading in verse 12. But first of all, Ephesians 2, 19, it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You were citizens along with all of God's holy people. Everybody say citizens. So we're citizens. We're in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're citizens in his kingdom. Citizens, they have a place, but they also have a function. He goes on to say, you are members of God's family. Everybody say members. So here's where we get that word member or membership. We're members in God's family. And then Ephesians 1, 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great Pleasure, And so this scripture is just loaded with all kind of powerful truths. So first of all, listen, that every single person on this planet, okay, the Bible says that God does not desire that any person should perish, but that all come to repentance. So what this means is, even before people are born, that God has a predestined plan that he wants everyone to accept Jesus and come into his plan. God wants everyone to come into his family. But as we know, uh, we have to say yes to that invitation, but it's God's plan that we come into his family. He has a place for you in his family and he has a function for you in his family. He's gifted, he's gifted you with certain giftings and talents. He made you for a purpose and that purpose is truly realized when we come into God's family. So when we're talking about this, I just want you to think about, okay, God's given me a position. I have a position in Christ because of Jesus, I've received Jesus. I've surrendered my life to Christ. So I have a place, I have a position in his family. And then God also has a purpose for my life, okay? So think of it like this when it comes to being a member of God's family. 
because of Jesus, position gives us access, but function gives us impact. Position gives us access, but it's functioning as a member of God's family that really allows us not only to impact others, but to be impacted by the power of God. So, so important. It's a powerful truth. And sometimes, for, for whatever reason in the body of Christ, sometimes there's a, a, a disconnect with this. People are like, hey, I'm saved by grace. And, you know, so I, you know, I shouldn't worry about getting involved or, you know, works or whatever. Well, of course you're saved by grace. Of course all your sins are forgiven by the grace of God. But God didn't save you by his grace just for you to sit there and be like, uh, you're welcome, God. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't know you're, you're, you're saved to serve. You have a role, you have a, you have a function, you have a, a, a purpose. And for some reason, we kind of, you know, we apply this to church even though we don't apply it to every, anything else in our lives. For example, you know, I married a beautiful woman, the woman of my dreams, Carrie Weems, 18 years ago. That's right, 18 years ago, and we said, I do, and we got the marriage license, and because of the vows and the marriage license, guess what? I was positioned legally as Carrie's husband. And with that position, I got great benefits. (laughs) However, I don't express my love and commitment to her because of my position as her husband. I mean, I didn't just like, okay, married, uh, I married Carrie, I got the, the marriage license, it's all legal, it's all good. Okay, I didn't, I wasn't like, okay, honey, hey, we're married, awesome, legally. I'm, I'm, I got this position, I'm your husband, great, look, I'm gonna be back in a few weeks, I'm going hunting, fishing, you know, do whatever I wanna do, you know, I'll be back in a few weeks for some benefits. <laughs> no. Just because positionally I'm Carrie's husband, that doesn't express any love or commitment to her. My love and commitment is expressed through Carrie, not from my position, but through my function as her husband. I serve her, I love her, I cherish her. I I do whatever I can to help. We're a team, we're we're a couple. It's not my position that shows her I love her or that I express my love to her, it's my function. The same thing, you know, as a father, you know, we have three beautiful kids. I mean, I'm, I'm legally, it's on their birth certificate. Positionally, I'm their father. That's awesome. That's great, right? So I have the right with, you know, to parent them and, 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 and that legal aspect as a, as a parent. But my position as a parent does not express my love or commitment to my kids. It's my function as that parent. So a husband, watch, I'm a husband and father both positionally and functionally, but it's only through function, actually functioning as a husband and as a father that I express my love and my commitment to my family. It's the same thing in church, man. So we get saved, right? We, we come to Jesus, so, so watch, I'm just doing, like this is my testimony. You know, 25 years ago, okay? I'm, I'm going crazy, I'm, I'm living my own life. I come to this place, I surrender my life to Jesus. And man, I, I surrender my life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into my life and I realize, wow, God's forgiven me all of my sins. I have a new life in Christ. Man, I'm now I'm a member of God's family. Watch, when that happened, no one had to externally convince me 
that I needed to do something to show God thanks. Because of the Holy Spirit, I was internally motivated. Man, I want to somehow express thanksgiving and love back to God in just a small way for the amazing love that he's shown me through Jesus. So internally, I was motivated by the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm gonna, let me, what I do? Okay, I started going to church and, and I became a member and I started serving and I started what? I started functioning as a member in God's family. And what we have in the body of Christ today, we have all these people that like, yeah, I'm positionally in Christ. But when it comes to functioning as a member of God's family, it's like, it's like a disconnect. It's like we think that we, 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 we receive Jesus just so we can, you know, come to church. Listen, I'm so glad that you're coming to church. You need to be faithful to the house of God. It is so, so important. But watch, God has so much more for you than you just taking up space. And I'll say this, listen, you know, I'll say this all the time. Listen, the the church, we're not just a feel-good club. We're not a social club. We're not just something, you know, hey, let me go and have Stovall entertain me for 30 minutes on Sunday or what, you know, whatever it is. Like, like, listen, man, the church is God's plan A. Jesus said this. He said, the gates of hell, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There is one thing that Jesus is building and that is his church. And when we become positional members of God's family, the next step is to become functional members in his family. And that means we begin to contribute into God's church, and we, as God impacts us, we allow our lives to be used to impact others. So position gives us access, but it's function that gives us impact. Let me read you the, this scripture here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. I'm gonna read some verses here. This, oh, it's so, this is such a good passage of, of scripture for this. It, it goes from, Uh, Position to function. Listen to this. But our high priest, this is chapter 10, verse 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Everybody say sins. Remember, plural, sins. Sins, good for all time. So it's all, this was a sacrifice for all sins of all time. Past, present, future. Okay. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he for he by that one offering he forever made perfect those who were being made holy, and the Holy Spirit also testifies this is so. For he says, "This is the new covenant that I'll make with my people on that day." Says the Lord, "I will put their laws, my laws, in their hearts, and I'll write them on their minds." Then he says, "I love this. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds." And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Watch how powerful this is when it comes to your position in Christ, okay? You don't ever have to worry about this again if you've received Jesus. Here's what this scripture is telling us, okay? All the sins that have ever been committed or will ever be committed, all sins for all time, okay? When Jesus went on that cross, 
God recalled all, all the sins that you've committed, all the sins that you ever will commit, the sins that some of your kids will commit that haven't even been born, the sins of some of your grandkids that they will commit that haven't even been born yet. Every person from all time past to all time future, God called all their sins into remembrance. And he executed his judgment and wrath and displeasure on his own. He placed those sins upon Jesus and executed his judgment for those sins, for your sins and for my sins on his own son, Jesus Christ. And so the payment for the penalty of sin was done once and for all by Jesus. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand for that? Okay, so watch. So, so, so Jesus now, death couldn't hold him. He was perfect. He's our savior. When we receive Jesus, this is the Bible term justification. We receive Jesus, right? And we are justified. It is just as though we have never sinned. Okay, well, how does that, how did that happen really? Listen, God's not up there winking at sin, winking at sin, some kind of, you know, cosmic, you know, candy box, whatever, oh, this okay, that's okay, just love everybody, dead, dead, dead. That's not God, man. God is holy and sin is serious. And that's why he had to send his own son to die for my sin and for your sin. But here's how God truly remembers our sins no more and how we are justified through Jesus, just as though we never sinned. Did you see that scripture? It says, God says, I will remember their sins no more. So that means this, at one time he did remember them. If he remembers them no more, that means one time he did remember them. When did he remember them? When Jesus was on the cross. So that tells you this, listen, all of your past, present and future sins are totally forgiven. How does God forgive sins I haven't even committed yet? Because he's God. And he called it, it was one sacrifice good for all time, sins, plural, every sin that was ever, it was placed on Jesus. And at that time, God remembered him. At that time, God was angry. At that time, God executed judgment on his own son because of our sins. Jesus paid the full price. It was an offering one time, perfect, good for all time, for all sins by everyone. So now we can be justified in Christ. When you receive Jesus, guess what? You come into Christ. The judgment that was paid for, or the judgment that was poured out on Christ because of your sins. Now, just as Jesus is justified through his perfection, so you are justified. It is just as though you have never sinned. That's why God, he really doesn't remember your sins anymore. He already remembered them and he judged his own son for him. Come on, can you give it up for our, our heavenly father? And now here's what that enables him to do. It enables him to give us the Holy Spirit. That's why God says, here's the great thing about this. Not only is it gonna be just as though you've never sinned. Okay, you're totally washed, you're totally cleansed, but now I can pour the Holy Spirit in you. And I'm gonna put my laws in your hearts and I'm gonna put them on your mind. So from this point forward, you're not gonna have to be convinced on the outside. You're gonna be internally motivated to love God and to serve God it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're gonna be motivated from the inside out. And you're gonna live a life that pleases God, not because you have to or because you should. You're gonna live a life that pleases God because you want to. Because you're changed 
from the inside out. So listen, man, this is, this is, this is position. And so now here's what he does. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can enter boldly, we, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life giving way through the curtain in the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Look, with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God be, it can be trusted to keep his promise. God has promised you when you receive Christ, he has promised you salvation. He's promised you total forgiveness. Forgiveness is free for us, but it costs God everything. God is not a man that you should lie. So here's what that means about your relationship with Christ. Listen, your relationship with Christ, it is secure. It is permanent. You are a member with God's fam- in God's family. I don't care what you've done or what you haven't done. I'm telling you whether you're struggling with condemnation, whether you've made mistakes, I say the blood of Jesus according to the scriptures has washed every sin away past, present, and future. I'm telling you, you're forgiven. And that's why the Bible says this. So listen, your consciences have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Even if your conscience condemns you, even if your mind condemns you, even if the devil condemns you, even if you're coming through past things and you don't know how to sort it out, that's why we've got to trust God's promise in his word that Jesus died for all of our sins once and for all time. God's not bringing it up again. There's not another sacrifice. He's not gonna remember him again. He's not going through this thing again. I'm telling you, Christ paid for it all once and for all and we're forgiven, man. So here's what that says. God's love is the foundation for our position in his family. It also says that our position is secure in Christ. It's secure in Christ. Have you ever read that verse in 1 John four seventeen? It says, as he is, so are we in this world. How many of you think Jesus is pretty secure where he is right now? Where is he? He's in unity with the Father at the right hand of the Father. As he is, so are we in this world. Corinthians, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I'm telling you, as secure as Jesus is in God's family, I know it's hard for you to receive this. As, as secure as Jesus is in God's family, so are you secure in God's family. As he is, so are we in this world. It's secure and it's this. Listen, our position is permanent. It's permanent in God's family. You have a permanent position. That's great news, okay? So this is very important before we get into function that we've got this thing of, okay, my foundation is God's love. God didn't save me because of works or anything else. He just loves me. Okay, he loves me because he loves me. I'm in his family. My place is secure. The finished work of the cross has created a safe place. Everybody say safe place. It's created a safe place, a permanent family home for all who believe. A permanent family home for all who believe. And we're gonna, if you're in one of our groups, one of our uh, message series host groups, you're gonna have some good discussion on this this week. That's what God's family is about. It's about a safe place for change. Listen, God's family is not, uh, look, if you think you're perfect, you're in the wrong place. God's, God's family, Jesus said, look, I haven't come uh, for the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. 
what God, just like in your family, come on, how many of you got some messed up families? Come on, just like we all, we all, uh, uh, some of you are like, no, not me. Listen, if you're thinking that, you're the messed up one. That's what I like to say. It's a safe place for change. It's not, it's not a place to put on masks. It's not a place to act like we've got it all together. It, it's a place to say, hey, you know what? Thank God, because of Jesus, I have been uh, brought from darkness into light. And you know what? I've, I've got issues. But thank God, I'm a permanent member of, of a God who loves me. And Jesus is on the inside of me and he's doing a work on the inside of me. And that's why the scripture said this. Remember where it says, by that one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. Did you see that contradiction of language there? Well, how can I be perfected, but still being made holy? Because when it comes to position, you're perfected. You are saved. You are perfect in Christ. You're justified, you're safe and secure. But when it comes to function, I'm a work in progress. I'm pursuing God's purpose. Come on, give God a hand for that, man. It's, so look, so watch this. Okay, so we got position. So now look where the apostle Paul goes. He says, okay, so now we understand this verse 25 or verse 24. Okay, so let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Here, here comes in function. In other words, I don't need to convince you this is the right thing to do. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you now. You're exper- you know that. You wanna serve Jesus. You wanna uh, live a life of thanksgiving. He says, so look, let's, 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 let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Like doing a God First Life series and talking about being a God, adopted into God's family. So here's the thing, when we get into the word, you ever seen that scripture that you, now that you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need a man to teach you. That doesn't mean that, that, that you're not taught. The Bible is full. One of the offices uh, of, 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 you know, apostle, prophets, pastors, teachers, teaching of the word is a huge theme in the Bible. What it means is this, is when I teach you the word, that should just confirm an internal motivation. Are you following me? Yeah, man, yeah, it's, it's, it's a confirmation because you're a child of God. Now watch, if you're constantly coming to church and you feel like, like you need to be convinced, and convinced, and convinced. I just wanna raise the question, maybe you've never really surrendered to Jesus where you've had your own internal experience with Christ. Because let me tell you where convincing does come in, okay? When Jesus says, when, I, you know, when I'm resurrected, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and the Holy Spirit's gonna have a ministry to the world. That's all of us before we were saved and the world as in the corporate sense of those that are far from God. He says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he goes on, he says what he qualifies sin. He says of sin because they don't believe in me. So you see, sin's no longer a problem. Why? We just read it. Jesus died for everybody's sins, right? He's, he's died for everyone's sins, so that's no longer a problem because of Jesus' sacrifice. We accept Jesus, the sin issue is taken care of. What's the problem now? Unbelief. Unbelief. So there's some of you in here maybe today, and it's like the Holy Spirit's here, and he's not convincing you of the specific thing. You know, you shouldn't have done this, and you shouldn't have done that, and da, da, da. That's not what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is convincing you, you need a relationship with God. 
you need to believe in Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. Jesus is your answer. He's communicating that in, in, in impulses and drawings that sometimes we're, uh, uh, we, we can't communicate with words. It says, the Bible says, deep's calling unto deep. So I'm saying if, if you feel like you, you, you're, you're in this, I need to be convinced. What I'm saying is you need to let go and let God. You surrender your life to Christ. And Jesus, he'll prove himself to you, but you've got to come to him and you've got to surrender. So he, the apostle Paul, Paul goes on, he says, look, let's, let us, I love this. He says, let us motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I've wondered like, you know, like if he was preaching this and like there were some people you know, that weren't like coming to church very much. It's like, now let's not neglect our meeting together like some people do. I don't know, I'm just kind of making that up. It seems, seems like it fit there. But look, he's talking about being faithful to God's house. Now, why, why? Why does he link position and now function and now he comes right down to God's house? So let's not uh, neglect our meeting together. Some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Why? Remember, position gives us access. Beautiful, blood of Jesus. Position, we're done. But function gives us impact. And what is the first step of function? Being planted in God's house. Being planted in God's house. So he goes from position, you're forgiven, it's all great. But listen, you don't have a position just to sit there. It's, it's to function let God impact your life. You impact others. Let's motivate one another to, for good works now. You're mo, you're, you got the internal convincing. Let's just get to motivating on the outside. And now he brings it to the house of God. And he says the foundation for this now is remember, we've got to meet together. We've got to get planted in the house of God. So real quick about remember position. Our position is secure in Christ and also our position is permanent, permanent in God's family. And then look at Psalm 92, verse 12 now. Here's what I wanna say. Before we can flourish, we have to be planted. Before we can flourish, we have to be planted. And let me read this out of Psalm 92, verse 12. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, everybody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Everybody say flourish shall flourish in the courts of our God. Remember, Hebrews talking about, let's not forsake the meeting, our, our meeting together. He's talking about the house of God. And now here we see in Psalm 92, 12 and 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. That means before you can flourish, you have to be planted. You have to be planted. Now, remember this. When the Bible talks about courts, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Courts speak of what? They speak of design. They speak of a, a design, a blueprint, a purpose, so to speak. Before you can really walk in the purpose that God has for your life, you've got to get yourself planted in the house of the Lord. So the local church is the fertile soil that God wants you planted in. You might say, wait, wait, wait. So the look, man, I just kind of go to this church and that church. Kind of, you know, I'm just kind of hop around, kind of a little bit of this. 
kind of a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, part, I'm saved, I'm part of God's church. Yes, you're, you're part of God's church, the universal church, but you're not part of a local church. And in reality, the universal church is made up of several different local churches, thousands and millions and millions all over the world. It's kind of like this, we're, we're kicking off football season. So if you'd say, well, uh, you know, Stovall, I'm part of the SEC. I'm part of the Southeastern Conference. I'd be like, okay, what SEC school did you go to? Or what SEC school, you know, did you attend? Well, I didn't really attend one. I'm just, I'm just part of the SEC. No, 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 to be, to be part of the SEC or to be part of the ACC or to be part of the Big Ten or whatever it is, like that means that you were, you were part of a school that's in the Big Ten. Okay, so the local church, listen, there's 59 commandments in the New Testament that you can't obey unless you're part of the local church. It's all part of the one another's of the Bible. It's all part of the, of the no, uh, those who labor among you. It's all part of what we just read, Hebrews chapter 10. Don't forsake meeting together. What do you think that's talking about? It's talking about the local church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You can't just get, you know, planted anywhere. No, it's gotta be a specific type of, of soil and so many people it talks about palm trees. It talks about cedars. How did it, what were palm trees about in Lebanon? They were the most fruitful and the most useful, useful plant. Their fruit was a staple in the diet. They used those palm trees, man, from everything from you know baskets to utensils to furniture to roofs on houses, all those kind of things. Palm trees speak speak of fruitfulness and usefulness. What do cedars speak of? Cedars were up in the mountains. They were the biggest, tallest. They were evergreen. Cold couldn't kill them. They were, they were the most durable and, and the most stable tree that there was. They would build towers and walls and huge buildings out of the cedars of Lebanon. Here's what God is saying. When you get planted in a local church, God is gonna make you fruitful, useful, stable, and durable. How many of you want a fruitful, useful, stable, and durable life? Come on. Get planted in a local church. You might, well, I don't like this church. Fine, then go get planted in another church. But don't just go through life thinking that, okay, I'm saved, man. I'm on my way to heaven. You know, you're welcome, God. You're missing out on why Jesus died for you. God's family doesn't start in heaven. Heaven's just, eternity is just a continuation. God's family starts right here. You're a member now of God's household. And before you're plant or before you flourish, you've got to be planted. Remember this. God has a personal will for your life and he has a revealed will for your life. God has a revealed will for your life as well as a personal will for your life. So many people. What's God's personal will for me? You know, who should I marry? Where should I go? Should I move here? What kind of job? I, I promise you this. We need to pray for those things. That's important and follow the peace of God. But you cannot know the full extent of God's personal will for your life unless you first obey his revealed will for your life. And that's right in the word of God. Jesus is Lord and I'm gonna plant myself in a local church. I tell people all the time, what's the first step in knowing God's will for my life? You've gotta get planted in a local church. Why? Because until, uh, how can you flourish unless you're planted? Those who are planted where? In the house of the Lord. Shall what? Flourish in the courts of our God. You'll flourish in God's will and purpose for your life. <clears throat> you cannot be a fully functioning member of God's family without being planted 
in a local church. You, you got position, you just don't have function. Position gives you access, but it's function that gives you impact. I'll kind of sum it up with this story. I think I can kind of wrap it all together like this. And it kind of goes with the season that we're in. You know, we're going into football season here. How many of you, I'm talking to the men here, especially how many of you men like to grill, you know, tailgate, grill, all that, what, like 10 of y'all? Rest of y'all lazy. Y'all need to learn how to put some meat on the grill for your family. Do so. I love grilling. I love cooking. I love grilling. I love fires and meat and all of that. And I grill all, all kind of stuff. You know why? Because I'm a hunter. I got venison. I got hog. I got duck. I got goose. I got bison. I got caribou. I got stuff. I cook it all. That's right. It's guys like me that do the dirty work for many of you so you can go buy it in Publix. It's all nice and pretty packaged and Someone had to kill that animal. You can thank me later. Okay, so. One of my favorite things to do, you know, you know, uh, Kaylin, my oldest, she's a senior now. Stovey is in ninth grade now, but Annabelle, she's 12 and, and she's just now going to the seventh grade. So Annabelle's kind of the last child that kind of, I get to do this to this kind of extent for. And one of the things I love to do is when my kids have uh, friends over, I love to get out there and and cook for them. And, and uh, you know, we've got, we've got a fire pit out back when it gets cold. I love to make a fire and grill and all that stuff for them. So like Annabelle, if she comes home and says, hey dad, I'm having friends over tonight. Immediately, as soon as she lets me know, right after school, it's four o'clock. She says, I'm having friends overnight. Man, I, I start thawing out the meat, marinating, and I start grilling and cooking. I got all kind of stuff. So when all of her friends get over there that night, you know, they'll all be kind of out on the back patio and I'll just bring a tray of food out there. I've been grilling, cooking and grilling for like three, four hours, put it on the table. And of course for them, you know, to come and eat it, dad has to leave because dad lowers the cool factor. Okay. So I, I need to keep the cool factor high. So dad has to step off, you know, I'm just deliver the food and, and, but, but I'll just kind of hang back. I'll go inside, crack the door. I'll just kind of listen. If they look at me, I'm like, hmm. And they'll start eating out there and I'll hear Annabelle say, oh, isn't this good? Oh, my daddy's best cook. Oh, this is so good. And I'll hear all, little, all her little friends be like, oh, this is good. Will he cook more of this and cook more of that? And Annabelle will be like, oh yeah, we want some more of this. We want some more of that, man. So I just cook more, cook more. And everybody's happy and everybody's eating. And, and then when it gets dark, you know, when it's, when it's colder in the year, I'll make them a fire in our fire pit outside and I'll get them all the, the marshmallows and the chocolate and the graham crackers and all the stuff where they can do the s'mores. You know what I'm saying? So they'll, they'll be out there doing their s'mores and all that. And of course, you know, I have to leave. And what I do is I'll come inside. I'll leave our sliding glass door about halfway open and I'll sit on the couch there and I'll just, I'm there, man. I'm there and, I, and I'm waiting for inevitably what comes, every smile, it's the moment I've been waiting for all night. Inevitably, I'll hear this. Come from out in the darkness, from the fire pit, a cry of a damsel in distress. <laughs> daddy, 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 hurry, come out quick. The fire's going out, the fire's going out. Come, come get the fire lit again. And when I hear that cry, I'm sitting on my couch and it's like this. I mean, I'll do one of these moves. And I, 
And I come to the sliding glass door and I fling it open. The wind's blowing in my hair. And I call out into the darkness, don't worry girls. Dad is here to save the day. And I go out into the night. I battle the night creatures, which is just my dog. I need to get her out of the way and go out and I'll get more wood and I'll get the fire all going again and everybody's s'mores and everybody's happy and everybody's good. Everybody's happy in, in daddy's house, daddy's home. You know, my kids have never asked me, Annabelle's never asked me, but if she ever did ask me, daddy, what? Why do you do all this? Why do you start cooking and cook for hours and do all this stuff when I have friends over? My honest answer would be, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing it for you. I have, I have, no, listen, listen. And you parents would do the same thing. If you think, like, I have no agenda. I, they're, they're, I, I'm just doing it for you. In other words, I just want you to enjoy the home I've provided for you. I want you and your friends, I want you to enjoy the atmosphere of our family, the home that I've made for you. I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel secure. I want you to experience that. I can honestly say this. If you say, so what's God Sending Jesus to die and all the, you know, in position and function and all the, why, why, is, why does God have all this for me? I can honestly tell you that it, it's just for you. He just loves you. He's got no agenda. He just, he wants you to enjoy your relationship with him. He wants you to enjoy his family, the atmosphere of his home. He's got no agenda. He just wants you to enjoy the life that he's given you. And he knows that you're not gonna truly enjoy life unless you're in that protection of his family and of his home. (laughs) Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your Word. How many of you would say this? You just say, Stovall, um, I just want to take that next step of, of, you know, I understand I have a position in Christ, but I want to take that next step and, and really go into function where I can experience the atmosphere of God's love and his home and the family that he has for me. If, if that's you, if you would just say, Stovall, I'm, take, I'm ready to take the next steps in my relationship with God, kind of moving from position to function, or you've been functioning, but you're just ready for that next step, whatever it is. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to, so many hands are going up at all of our locations. You can put those hands down. Now, how many of you would say this? You'd say, Stovall, I think I'm one of those people, man, that, that I don't know if it's really happened for me on the inside. I've been coming to church some, or maybe you haven't. 
But it's like, man, I, I don't feel it on the inside. I, I don't know if it's authentic. And, and, and you're at the place where you're really ready to surrender your life to Jesus. Where it happens from the inside out. If that's you, would you just maybe drifted from God or whatever, but you need to surrender your life to Christ. I want you to raise a hand right now. You need a real experience. Yes, 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 yes. Many hands are going up at all of our locations. Raise those hands. You're saying yes to all. I need it to be real on the inside. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Here's what I want to do. If you raised your hand, if you're one of those people that just raised your hand on surrendering your life to Christ and letting it be real on the inside, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now at all of our locations. And I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer. And church, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer as well and just kind of help along many people that are praying it for the very first time. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I thank you for forgiveness and for everlasting life. Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill my life. Lord, make it real on the inside. Put your word in my heart and put your word in my mind. I thank you that all of my sins, past, present, and future, are totally forgiven. And God, I'm gonna function in your family in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.